Welcome to the Flint Catholic Podcast. I'm Father Tony Smila. And I'm Michael Hasso. Uh, so don't forget to like, share, and now find us on YouTube. Find yeah. us on YouTube. So uh, if you just put in the search bar on YouTube, uh, Flint Catholic Podcast, you should come right to this uh, link. So uh, check us out there if you already are checking us out on uh, YouTube. I just did something that the other yeah. listeners will. I was going to say, if if you're a podcast listener, you just missed out on something. So you did. So you that was an incentive. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, first, we should probably uh, just say why uh, our episodes have been a little spotty recently. Yeah. So it's the end of the year. Um, part of it is uh, we're just trying to still continue to get the studio set up. Uh, part of it is I went on Kairos, which is the uh, retreat for the juniors and seniors here at Powers. Uh, so we missed a week because of that. Um, so just, uh, finals week is this week. Yeah. So we, we got, we got one in this week, but last week for the teachers, like finals week is kind of the easy week. Yeah. Uh, it's the week before finals week. That's the really tough week. Yep. <laughs> I'm still like catching up from that. In addition to getting three days behind, cause I went on Kairos the week before that. So yeah. Holy cow. It's been, a yeah. So it's been weeks. a crazy, really a crazy semester. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So, uh, but the plan is once we uh, come back, uh, so the kids come back to school on January 3rd, which I find to be kind of gross. Yeah, Jan- it is. Like That's like way too soon. I you agree. Know, I know that Monday falls on January 3rd, but let's, let's start on Wednesday. Yeah. But, yeah, in my experience as a, as a student in a, in a former life, a yeah. high school student and whatnot, way too early. Way too early. <laughs> it's just, you know, and... Maybe one of the reasons too that uh, we missed a week was because uh, I may have gone to the uh, the conference championship game in Indianapolis to see Michigan beat down Iowa, <laughs> and maybe the few days after that, my voice was just like gone. Like, yeah, I I was like a deep bass for the first time in my life. Yeah, and it was really cool. See, I can't even do it anymore. It was so cool those days where I was like I was a super deep bass. It was actually pretty funny. Yeah, because <laughs> I did <laughs> first time we had spoke. I didn't know that you would win. <laughs> And you're like, hello. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty bad. I definitely threw my voice out pretty hard that day. Yep. And uh, so, but it was it worth it then? Oh, it was totally, completely worth it. It was amazing. Drove down, yeah. spent the whole day, and uh, I got to see story time. I got to see Joey Chestnut. Do you know who Joey Chestnut is? No idea. Oh man. So Joey Chestnut is the number one uh, ranked eating eating contestant eating contest winner in the world right now he's the guy wow. who's won the nathan's hot dog eating contest on Jan- on july 4th for like 10 years in a row now kobayashi's the guy who comes in- i know too much about competitive eating i'm sorry yeah um <laughs> clearly <laughs> clearly but so we're there in, in like downtown indianapolis and we're just walking around this big party there and all of a sudden like there's this eating competition that starts and it's him. It was like the number one, three, five, six, and seven competitive eater in the world. I'm like, holy cow. Wow. And so I got to watch uh, Joey Chestnut along with six others uh, commit gluttony. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, was that like the halftime show at the, no, it was, the game? It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. The game didn't start till 8 p.m. Okay. So it was just part of so the day long festivities. Yeah, it was part of the festivities. I watched him put down 17 pounds of shrimp in eight minutes. Wow. That sounds awful. It it looked awful. <laughs> it just it looked awful. And the the added benefit being that uh you know the price for food around that area was like obnoxiously high and I wasn't hungry after I watched that. <laughs> so, I didn't have to pay for oh, I believe that. food. It was I believe it that. was really gross. Yeah. 
if I was close enough to him, I'd be like, hey, I'll hear your confession afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But he won $20,000, so. You know, well. I know. It's weird. Anyway, which reminds me, it's college bowl season. So I've got uh, my picks for all of the college games this year. Oh, I'm nice. excited. Ready to turn that in. So, yeah. Bowl season. It's a great time of year. Yeah. It's a wonderful time of year. You know what else is a great time of year? What? Advent. Oh, did you, you like set me that? up for that? You like that? <laughs> that was so good. That was one of my best transitions, segues. Oh, that was yeah. so good. So we're going to talk about Advent and Christmas uh, in this segment here. And uh, uh, what is Advent? So let's start with Latin, because that's always a good place to start, right? Advenire. Advenire. To come to. To come to what? To come to what? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, okay, that's cool. Well, who's coming to us? Of course, we know. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus is coming to us. But let's start before Jesus comes to us. Let's go before that. Let's start actually uh, way before that. Let's turn to the prophet Zephaniah. Uh, have you heard of the prophet Zephaniah? I have. Yeah. If you were at Mass this weekend, you did. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite prophets. Yeah, he's a good one. So he's a prophet during the reign of King Josiah in Jerusalem. And Josiah is one of those good kings, right? There's very few and far between. Uh, but he was one yeah. of the good ones. Uh, late 7th century B.C. And uh, here's an example. So from chapter 1, verse 7. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And so uh, a couple of things there. We got the day of the Lord, right? Very common theme throughout the minor prophets, especially the minor prophets. The day of the Lord, day of judgment, destruction, all of these bad things. We, see, we, we tend to think of the prophets as uh, guys who pro- prophesy doom and gloom, right? Um, even one of the kings, I think it was King Ahab, was... Uh, uh, asking or they they wanted uh the prophets to prophesy and uh was like oh no this this guy you know i hate him because he only preaches bad things about me yeah and it's like yeah well you probably deserve it <laughs> and he did so uh the day of the lord is at hand the lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests and that second part is has always jumped out to me and is just it's fascinating right the lord has prepared a sacrifice of course what's the sacrifice the lord is preparing himself well in, in particular, Jesus, right? His yeah. son, Jesus, he's preparing for. Uh, the sacrifice of Jesus is, is coming. So in order for Jesus to be sacrificed, he has to come among us, right? And he's consecrated his guests. Who are the guests? That's all of us. That's yep. really cool. I love that. Uh, but really, more than Zephaniah, I think Malachi really strikes at uh, um, the messianic message here. During this time, like the, it wasn't always a part of the Jewish understanding that the Messiah was going to come and save them. It develops over time, and it especially develops during the time of the prophets, during the time of the exile, and just after in the return that, yeah, their temple is destroyed, the presence of God among them is gone, what are we going to do? And so the prophets start to come and start to talk about this, this guy who's going to come, this, this Messiah, uh, the Christ, so Malachi means my messenger. That's what his name literally means. So was it actually Malachi? Does it actually matter? St. Jerome mm-hmm. and some Jewish scholars believe that it was actually Ezra the priest. Um, so Ezra came in during the time of the return, and he restored uh, the ritual worship. He restored a lot of those things that were lost during the Babylonian exile. And I kind of like the idea that Malachi is actually Ezra the priest. Um, so yeah. I'm going to go with that. I like that one. The generally accepted theory is that uh, these oracles came from an unnamed prophet of the late 5th century BC. That's what most people think nowadays, but I like the other one better. 
less like, appealing for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'd rather be Ezra. Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. He's in Jerusalem. His focus is on the Deuteronomic law. Uh, so he's writing after the exile during their term and obviously during the reforms of Ezra, which makes sense because it is Ezra. So what is the message of God's messenger? The main theme of Malachi is that the old covenant is still in force. That even though uh, we have broken the covenant and we've uh, suffered the consequences of breaking that covenant through the exile, God has remained faithful to it. God has not abandoned us, which is a great message that all the prophets also have as well. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, this, this may be a little familiar. Behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Pretty popular, pretty famous. We've heard that one before. Yep. The next one, you will especially have heard before. So this is more than just a, a call to return to the Lord, right? It's a true prophecy about a future messenger. Jesus. We hear this reading uh, during the liturgy of the presentation of Jesus in the temple, which I find fascinating as well. My messenger will prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, which is cool, right? Because the old temple was destroyed, which was the presence of God. And then Mary and Joseph bring Jesus, God himself, to the temple. He comes yep. back. So cool. Yep. Another important one is Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the curse. So let's connect these two verses, right? Uh, Elijah the prophet. Who is Elijah the prophet? The, Elijah is the one who's going to announce the coming of the Messiah. And so who is that? It's John the Baptist. Uh, so it is he who Malachi is referring to here. And that's why I think it's also important that Elijah shows up during the transfiguration as well to show that, hey, he, there he is. Right? Yep. He's here. John the Baptist is here. He's the one. So uh, just to name a few, these are just, just a few of these messianic verses. I think these are some of my favorites of, of all of them. Um, these are a few of the messianic verses that, uh, uh, that are scattered and littered throughout all of the, uh, the prophets. God is preparing his people for something or you know, someone who is going to blow their minds. Like he's, they're basically saying, like, it's going to be more than you expect, right? God yeah. is doing something awesome, and this Messiah is coming, and you can't really understand until you see it. So this is exactly what we do during the season of Advent as well. We remember God's promises to us that God will always fulfill his promises, and that he's usually going to do so in a way that we don't expect, that God is going to go above all our expectations, just as he did uh, to those uh, before Jesus came, just as he promised his, his people. Uh, and so we kind of put ourselves back in that moment as well, that we know what God's going to do in Jesus, but we also don't exactly know what he's going to do with us personally. Yeah. We don't know how he's going to fulfill those promises that he's made to us. So we expectantly wait, which is super cool. Yeah. I was, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking to some college students about this last night, just the idea of why why was it that so many Jews in the in the early centuries in particular, why was it that some recognized Jesus for who he was, Ooh. but others didn't? And I've had that question posed to me many different times of right. like, how could they have missed this? And the thing is that what happened for many was that they put expectations yeah. on the Messiah that weren't put there by God. Right. 
they were trying to make God in their image. They were expecting this military savior that would come back like Judas Maccabeus and, you know, help help them to conquer the Romans, things like that. And so they had this very firm expectation, and many of them just refused to believe yeah. that the Messiah could be anything different. Right. That wasn't the case with all, by the way. I don't right. want to lump, you know, anyone in Broad together. Here. But yeah. but there were many that missed it because of that, and that's portrayed very clearly in the New Testament. Yeah, so. for sure. For sure. And we do the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah. We put God in a box. We say, all right, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I expect you to do. And God's like, yeah, but I want to do this thing over here. Yeah. And then when he doesn't do the thing we want to do, we're like, where are you, yeah. God? Yeah. And I think that's really a good lesson for Advent in general, like for us personally, yeah. of like how how do we um, maybe avoid that same mistake? How do we, how do we step outside yeah. of ourselves and sort of release the expectations that we might have put on God from ourselves mm-hmm. and allow him to fulfill his promises in even greater ways, just like what you're saying here. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, so this is going to be released on the 16th. So uh, starting on the 17th, the next day after that, the uh, this participation or this preparation um, gets intensified in the church. And this is when we start to hear the O antiphons, which are just awesome. I love the O antiphons. Each one highlights a title for the Messiah. So we've got O Sapientia, O Adonai, O Radix Jesse, O Clavis David, O Oriens, O Rex Gentium, and O Emmanuel. Of course, you all know what all those mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds just like Mm -hmm. what probably all of our listeners here at Mass. Definitely. So uh, (laughs) O Sapienza is O Wisdom. O Adonai is O Lord, O Radix Jesse, O Root of Jesse, O Clavis David, O Key of David. Key of David. I mean, that's just, that one you have to really dig yeah. for that. That's so good, right? The Key yep. of David. Uh, o Oriens, O Rising Sun, O Rex Gentium, O King of the Nations, and O Emmanuel. That's one we probably know, right? God is with us. Yep. So cool. There's so many different titles for the Messiah, so many different ways in which we're just, each day is a different antiphon, and we're just um, taking that day to, okay, first day, oh, wisdom. How is Jesus wisdom himself? And I'll, we'll even give you an example here, right? The, uh, in the Old Testament, anytime wisdom is personified, it's Jesus, which is cool, right? Yep. Jesus, not with his body and his humanity because he didn't have his humanity yep. yet, but Jesus there at the beginning of creation because there never was a time where Jesus wasn't, right? Jesus has always existed even before his incarnation. And so we see oftentimes in the Old Testament that is wisdom. Uh, as wisdom is personified. That's Jesus himself. So, oh, wisdom, really saying, okay, Jesus was there at the creation. Jesus was there, um, has always been there. And uh, so then, oh, Adonai, oh, Radix Jesse, root of Jesse, that he's based in humanity. So all these are great, um, and I encourage you to take time this, uh, this Advent to, to meditate on the O antiphons because they're really good. Yeah. That's and that leads us. Sweet to that blessed day when God himself enters humanity in order to save us. Ah, it's so good. Christmas reminds us that God could have, he could have snapped his fingers, saved us from afar, right? You know, and just been done this thing up there. And instead he chose to enter into our broken and wounded humanity. He chose to suffer with us in order to save us. He chose to be so close to us. He wants to be near to us, not just transcendent from above, right? 
We don't have a God that loves us from afar. We have a God that wants to be as close to us as possible. Yeah. I love that. And that's really the good news of Christmas. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I think that's such a powerful message to share with people too, because oftentimes, and this isn't just people that are maybe far from God or far Mm -hmm. from the church, things like that. But for anyone, I mean, I, I've talked to so many people that are good Sunday mass going Christians that have lived their faith all their life, but they don't necessarily think that God cares about their prayers in yeah, particular. Right. That so often we can kind of get this idea of God as being very impersonal or detached or far from us. Mm-hmm. And that's the exact opposite yeah. of the truth and the exact opposite of of what this season is about. Yeah, no so. doubt. Ah, it's so good. And so that's the good news of Christmas. And um, man, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas as well. Uh, I always love doing the, the Christmas masses too, um, especially if I get a midnight mass. Yeah. That, that's always just, we're not only are we going to like anticipate Christmas, I'm going to stay up all night. I'm going to stay up till midnight yep. and, uh, and, and uh, anticipate Jesus coming. By the way, last year, do you remember, did you stay up late on Christmas Eve? Uh, yeah, I think so. So I had a midnight mass on Christmas Eve last year, like actually at midnight. Oh, nice. Go figure, right? A midnight that, mass at that's midnight. That's so rare. <laughs> I know. It shouldn't be, but it, it... And and we get... And so we, we go into mass, and then we as we get out of mass, this is like one one thirty, um, like giant snowflakes, and like the whole ground is now white, and I'm like, oh, the Christmas miracle. Yeah. It happened. <laughs> it was so great. It was so cool. So if you have a chance to go to a midnight mass, you should yeah. go. Felt like you were in a movie. For it a was so <laughs> great because it was like there was no snow on the ground until Christmas Day. That's so awesome. Cool. It was great. So yeah. uh, next segment, so we got some announcements we're going to have uh, right after this. And then uh, next segment, uh, Michael's going to lead us in how to evangelize your family yeah. this Christmas. It'll be a good one. No doubt. Get your notebooks out and uh, we'll jump in right after the break. Yep. February, Saturday, February 12th, uh, St. John Vianney School is having their online virtual auction for the second year in a row. It's going to be online, fully virtual. We'll be recording right from this studio, which I'm really excited about. We'll be live streaming it 7 p.m. Saturday, uh, February 12th. Uh, Make sure you're there and uh, support St. John Vianney Catholic School right here in downtown Flint. Welcome back to the Flint Catholic Podcast. Next segment, this one's yours. Take it away. Yep. How to evangelize your family this Christmas. God, I'm ready to go. Here we go. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I figured this might this might draw in a lot of additional listeners because I, I feel like everyone's everyone's looking for this this time of year. Yeah. I, this is on everyone's mind. This might even bring maybe a little bit of additional stress for some people this time of year. I think Probably so. fair to say. Yes. Um, so... It probably seems like really overwhelming. Like, how could how could this possibly be done? And some of you are probably thinking right now, hold it there. You don't know my family. That's right. My family is way too far. You know, 
There's too just, much dysfunction here. Yep. Can't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's anything but the truth. But what I wanted to talk about today was really just a different mindset to approach not only our family, but I would say all relationships. So I wanted to go through a few tips. So number one, let it go. Just let, let it, it go. go. Yeah. <laughs> if we were on it, I would have had Pax playing the <laughs> playing the song for everyone. No, because we but, could be copyright striked, so we don't want that. Yeah. I think you get a few seconds, though, of it. Maybe. But anyway, so what I mean by that is you're not responsible for the salvation of everyone you know. Now, it is true that you can have a significant impact on the people that you're closest to. You can help that. You can help to, in a way, determine where they spend eternity. So we we have we have a great responsibility there. Yeah, you're saying this matters. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. So it, yeah, it it very much matters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. So it matters, but what we want to be careful of is not becoming overly responsible, because all of our friends and family, no matter how close they are, no matter how dear they are to us they still have free will. Mm -hmm. So that ultimately means that in the end, it's up to them. But our job is first and foremost to love them. Um, So it's not our job to sort of get them to the finish line, but maybe having a perspective more of how do I get them one step closer? How do I love them in this moment? And that can be very, very difficult. Um, So that's our duty first and foremost is to love others. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I put a lot of pressure on myself when I hear a friend or family member or even just a stranger that maybe makes that offhanded comment about whether the Catholic Church or how, you know, how they had some bad experience with a Christian or whatever the case may be. Suddenly, I feel a whole lot of pressure to give them the right answer or tell them, you know, maybe how they're wrong or oh, don't worry about that experience. Not all Christians are like this or whatever. But ultimately, that pressure isn't there. That's not, that's not from God, that sort of pressure. And in those moments, sometimes, not always, and I'll give some guidelines at the end, so here's a caveat there. <laughs> but sometimes the right thing to do in that moment is to let it go. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody has, let's say, 40 years of being far from God and and having certain mindsets, sometimes we need to look past that and focus on the most important thing. And the most important thing is loving them. And then what we do is we can actually develop a relationship with them. So that's actually number two, is focus on relationship. So we might be in this situation where maybe, you know, Uncle Fred, that good old family (laughs) member who, you know, maybe they even know all about Catholicism probably heard that once or twice before, Uh right? Um, But they haven't maybe been to church since Vatican II or whatever the case may be. What you need to do with those family members in particular is focus on relationship. Before we can lead other people to Jesus, we have to have a relationship with them that's built on genuine love. For instance, when was the last time that you blindly followed somebody that you had no relationship with. Probably hasn't happened, I would imagine. Yeah. So what what we need to do is focus on relationship and instead of 
thinking about how can we say just the right thing? How can we convert them? Maybe thinking about how can we spend some quality time with them? And this goes into number three is how can we have fun with them? Yes. I like having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and here's the crazy part. It's a very powerful tool for evangelization as well. And it's more than just a tool, but this is the like forgotten tool of yeah. evangelization for sure. And you know how I know that this is one of the best tools? Because you look at our youth groups, and this is something they get right. You look at the best youth groups, right. the ones that are making right. disciples, and fun is a core part of it. It is, it's so important to have fun because instead of trying to convert good old Uncle Fred, we're saying, how can I have fun with Uncle Fred? How could I maybe laugh with Uncle Fred? So as a college campus minister, one of my primary goals anytime I'm meeting with a group of students is how can we have fun? And specifically, how can I make them laugh? Yeah. And not that the not that the whole time and the whole purpose and everything behind it is just all about laughter and fun. Like it's you not know. an ego trip for you. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not about any of that. But my goal is actually if I can get everyone to laugh, I can get them to build connections. Yeah. Not not even with me, but when you laugh with a group of people, they build connections with mm-hmm. one another. How many times have you maybe been in like an audience or let's say you were watching a movie, you know, in a movie theater with a whole bunch of strangers and you all just laugh together. And when you walk out, you just feel like a whole lot more friendly towards people. You might not talk to them, but it just by laughing, we have a greater sense of connection with people around us. Yeah. And so I encourage you to think about that this Christmas season. How can I how can I get my family members to laugh? Maybe get them, you know, outside of themselves. Get them, um, you know, in an unfamiliar but fun sort of setting. Yeah. And that can that can really help to build relationships, to open doors, to um, really heal wounds. Yeah. You know what a great way to have fun is? What? Thump on Uncle Fred with the Bible on the head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. That doesn't sound like fun. Yeah. Don't exactly. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And so sometimes to do that, and this is really what I was getting at in, in the initial point of let it go. Sometimes we have to be able to intentionally look past certain things that might be an obstacle. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, and I know this actually from personal experience very recently, you know, this time of year, I've had friends reaching out to me personally. And there's some of them where it's like, you know, they dropped a bomb of like, you know, they're clear. Let's just say clearly not like um, living as disciples anymore mm-hmm. in various ways. And what they're looking to find out is, are you still going to love me? Are you still going to treat me the same? Are we still able to be friends? And so not that I'm going to, you know, at least to, to my ability, leave them where they're at. Right. But you have to be willing to love them where they're at. And then go from there. Yeah. Loving them doesn't mean you condone everything they do. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I think we get that mixed up in our head a lot is that, well, if I if I love them, if I don't, you know, detach myself, then I'm, I'm saying what you're doing is fine. And that's not what we're saying at all. Exactly. And, and we got to get out of that mindset. Yep. And that actually leads to the fourth principle. And that is we are contagious. What? 
I know. <laughs> put my mask on right now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I knew this. I knew this might trigger some people, you know, given the circumstances today. <laughs> yes. But we are contagious, meaning if you have a family member or friend who's not a disciple or maybe even somebody who used to be a disciple but is currently not living as a disciple, sometimes it can be really tempting to tell ourselves, oh, I should stay away from them because what did our moms teach us? You know, birds of a feather flock together. You know, you are who you hang out with, all this stuff. And that has a place. That There's definitely wisdom to that, mm-hmm. but that's not the whole story. Right. And so in these situations, what what do we say? What was Jesus's mindset? Because that's what we're always looking for as disciples. What was Jesus's mindset about these things? Well, if we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus hung out with sinners. He ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. Others avoided lepers while Jesus touched them. Jesus's mindset was that what he had, which was wholeness and holiness, was more contagious than what everyone else had. Oh, that's such a good yeah. one. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. And it's a different mindset. Yeah. It's a different mindset. And we need ah. Jesus's mindset about these things. Oh, man. Holiness is more contagious. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because here's the thing. When Jesus was around lepers, for instance, he touched them and he cast out the leprosy mm-hmm. just by touching them. I mean, there were instances in the Gospels where he didn't even do anything. He just touched them. And his holiness was so powerful that it just cast out the leprosy. And guess what? We were baptized into his life, death, and resurrection. So what Jesus has, we have. So when we're, when we're around family and friends, there can be this temptation to say, oh, well, you know, I need to put up this barrier so that it doesn't impact me. Well, it's not all about us. And I'll, I'll get into <laughs> that in a second. But it's really, what was Jesus's mindset? Our holiness is much more contagious than sin could ever be. Much more contagious. And so, what if we had a different mindset this holiday season? What if our mindset was that Others, meaning our family and friends, would literally grow in holiness just by being around us. That sounds really prideful, doesn't it? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, it, it probably does. But it's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, you even look at St. Paul and he says, for instance, you know, he says to all these churches that he formed, you know, live by my example. Mm-hmm. Do what I did and you'll be a good disciple. Yeah. I mean, that sounds really prideful, but it was also the truth. And so if we're living as Jesus lived, we can say that our holiness will be just as contagious as his because it comes from him. It's not from us. Correct. So (laughs) I do want to get into a little bit of application here. Let's do it. (laughs) We are a practical podcast. Yeah, yeah. We don't just deal in the abstract. Exactly. I like to keep it very practical. So... First, I want to be clear about this. The, I guess the more traditional understanding of this would be, well, we want to keep ourselves out of the near occasion of sin. 
What, is, what does that mean if you're not familiar with this? The idea of the near occasion of sin is that we identify certain situations that put us maybe at risk of sinning or, or are maybe um, more conducive to drawing us into sin. So, for instance, if you're an alcoholic, being at a bar would be a near occasion of sin, as a for instance. If you struggle with cursing, don't watch the lions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that's still true and that's still good advice, but we're called to more than that. Yeah. That's not like, that's not the ultimate. I think people look yeah. to that and they're like, man, I aspire to the to the day where I can you know, say no to the near occasions of sin in my life. That's like step one. That's like, that's like toddler Christianity. That's like you're, you're learning to walk. Yes. Yeah. No doubt. We're called to a lot more than that. Jesus's plan for us isn't just for us to say no to sin in our life, but for our holiness to be contagious. We can, we can have such a powerful influence on people around us simply by our presence. So one example I have of this, I, I have a friend of mine who, um, he's not much of a drinker at all. In fact, I don't think he drinks at all that I know of. And I know that he would spend time with friends. He would even go to parties where he knew people would be drinking in excess, we'll say. And, but what he realized in that was that he knew by his presence there, people would actually drink less. Whoa. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Just think about this for a second. People were there, and they were desiring to drink, and they were all drinking. But they actually stayed more sober because they wanted to talk to him. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's such a a cool example of holiness being contagious. Yeah. That's such a cool example. And so what what might be for one person... Now, I'm not advocating this for everyone because, you know, for some people that would be the near occasion of sin. Right. Like... An alcoholic, for instance. So I'm not advocating this for everyone. But what does this mean? We have to use the Holy Spirit and prudence to know what might be right in a situation. And it might not be what you assume. Yeah. That means to to thinking about that, that's a gift he was given. Yeah. To to not have that struggle at all and to be able to go into that situation. He was called to go into that situation and and he did it, which is awesome. Yeah. But not all of us are called to do that. Yeah. Exactly. So, again, prudence and Holy Spirit. We need to have yeah. we need to have this prayerful relationship with the Holy Spirit, and always be going back to the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you calling me to do in this situation? And not not bringing our assumptions to you know to go back to the assumptions from last segment about the Messiah and stuff like that. But not bringing our assumptions to the table. But Lord, what are you doing here? And and just being willing to to let go of what we might want to put on, what might be comfortable. Because think about this too. Like imagine if you're somebody who's trying to live a life of virtue and you might be in such a such a situation where you're like, it would actually be easier for me, it would be more comfortable for me to not go to this party, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not a bad thing, if, but you got to know yourself. But... If your motivation is, this is what's easier for me, that's not a good motivation. Right. Then that's not what a disciple would do. So so we got to partner with the Holy Spirit on this. And 
we need to demonstrate the gospel in our lives, but we also need to explicitly pro- proclaim it. So this is like the caveat part, mm-hmm. because obviously I didn't really mention anything about explicitly proclaiming the gospel. But again, what did Jesus do? There were times where he preached the gospel explicitly, to be sure. There were times where he demonstrated the gospel just in seemingly simple ways. Like he said, let the little children come to me. And he he taught based on that. It wasn't anything, you know, miraculous in that way of like, let the little children come to me. But it demonstrated the kingdom of God. Similarly, though, there were times where he demonstrated it in powerful and public ways through healings, through the multiplication of the loaves, through so many miraculous signs and wonders. And then he accompanied it, he accompanied it with explicit proclamation of the gospel. The kingdom of God is in your midst. And so what do we do? How do we know what situation that we're in? Well, here's the first thing to know. Not every situation is an explicit proclamation. Now, that would be annoying. Yeah, it would be. That would be, like, (laughs) awful. Yeah. I don't even want that in my own life Yeah, all the time. Yeah. In fact, I've had that before, and probably many of us have, I imagine, where it's like, you know, maybe you meet somebody who's doing, like, street preaching or something. And I say that as somebody who's done that, a lot of that. And it, But sometimes I've talked to people where I was on the, like, receiving end of it, and it it was almost like, okay, do you even care that I'm here or is it just about you like preaching the gospel at me? Right. So think about that because people are thinking that. Um, Not every situation is about explicit proclamation of the gospel. Sometimes it is implicit. But I do want to be careful there because I don't want want this to sound like I'm giving everyone a free pass of like, you never need to share yeah. the gospel explicitly. And that's there's, false. There's no absolutes on either side, right? Yeah, you exactly. Never and you don't always. It's kind Correct. of, you have to discern with the Holy Spirit. What yep. are those moments? And, and I think oftentimes, especially with family, um, it's probably oftentimes you're not explicitly preaching, but these moments come up yep. where there's a door that's open and an opportunity. And like, maybe they'll even, hey, I heard Pope Francis said this this week. What yeah. do you think about that? You're the Christian in our family. Yep. And and so that's an opportunity to, to yeah. actually talk about it and say, hey, this is how I live my life. Yeah, exactly. And I was actually going to say the same thing, especially with family, because yeah. oftentimes they know you well enough that they already, in some sense, know what you believe. Right. They might be mistaken about some things or not understand some things, but in general, they they kind of know what you believe anyway. And so oftentimes... Family, it, unless the opportunity presents itself, often the best course isn't just explicit in your face. Right. This is who Jesus is. Now repent and believe. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Bible <laughs> so, thump. Yep. Get you with the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the great and terrible day of the Lord. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, as as you get ready for... I'm sure many family gatherings and and parties this Christmas season. I want you guys to remember to to let go of this burden that we sometimes put on ourselves. That's number one. And then to just be a normal person. Yes. Be a normal person. And then have fun with your family and friends. That's number three. And allow your faith to be contagious. That's number four. (laughs) 
Notice how I said that, allow your faith to be contagious. Yes. Don't make it contagious, allow it to be. Right, don't sneeze on people. Yep, exactly. Don't sneeze your faith on yeah. people. Don't sneeze the gospel on people. Oh, I like that. I like how we're yeah. evolving this like <laughs> yeah. in real time. Yes. Don't sneeze your faith on people. Yep. Yeah. Can we make that into a t-shirt? We could. I think we Flint should. Catholic. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't sneeze, sneeze your, your faith. Breathe your faith on people. Ooh, <laughs> ooh it's getting better. Yeah. Real time. Real time. The t-shirts are out. We'll let you know. That'll be in the announcement yep. section. Yep. <laughs> So anyway, that's all I got. That's all we got. So uh, have a great Christmas. Uh, have a great New Year because we will be back on uh, the 6th, I believe. Yeah, I think so. 6th of January with our next episode. See you then. See you guys.